Welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughter's lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Really excited to have you back again this week. Every week, I love sitting down with you and going on this journey that you and I both are on in raising those strong, independent women in our lives. And we can't do this alone. We have to have community. We have to be able to listen and learn to the stories of other fathers around us. And through those stories, you and I can become stronger fathers ourselves and we can be more engaged. We can be better intentional fathers to our daughters as well. I love being able to be on this journey with you. I love being able to bring you different dads and different people every week from so many different walks of life that are fathering in different ways. I've said this before and I'll say it again. There's no one right way to father. Every one of us does it a little bit different and that's okay. We can learn from each other though and know that even if you started on one path toward fatherhood, you can pivot, you can change, you can make adjustments along the way because especially as your kids are young, they're gonna be forgiving and they're going to accept you who you are but you have to be willing to change too. And you have to be willing to move in that other direction and be willing to say, you know what? This is not working. Or yeah, this is working. And keep going. So this week, we got another great guest with us. Mac Brock is with us. And Mac is, a, is the CEO of Proverbs 31 Ministries. He has three kids. He also has a ton of worship songs that you may or may not have already heard. And we're going to talk about that music too. And that includes an RIAA certified double platinum single, Oh, Come to the Altar, a platinum certified Do It Again, which amazingly has over 129 million YouTube views and a gold track resurrecting that has 49 million YouTube views. I can't even imagine that many YouTube views. But I would love to have that many YouTube views. But we're going to be talking about his music as well, as well as talking about his journey as a father. Mac, thanks so much for being here today. Man, it's so good to be here. I, I need to correct one thing. It's it's my wife who is the CEO of Proverbs 31. She is the boss lady. I'm just a musician. All I do is write and sing songs. My wife is like the superstar rock star that kind of handles things that are way above my pay grade. <laughs> well, I appreciate that because we got to give credit where credit's due. And Meredith, keep up the awesome work. Keep rocking it. You can tell Mac is on your side and we're all on your side. So Mac, what I love starting these opportunities to talk with an opportunity to turn the clock back in time. Wouldn't that be great if we just had the power to snap our fingers and we could go back? But we're going to turn the clock back in time to that first moment, that first moment that you found out that you were going to be a dad to a daughter. What was going through your head? Man, uh, for both of my kids, I have a son first and then a daughter second. And for both of them, I was very wrong on the gender. I thought I was going to have a daughter first. And I thought for sure I was going to have another son. And so finding out I was having a daughter, it was just such a little bit panicky because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to handle girls. I don't know how <laughs> this is, it feels very scary and overwhelming. 
And then when she came, it was even, that was even more magnified of like, all right, what am I supposed to do? But over the years, step by step, day by day, I feel like me and my wife have learned together how to, how to raise our little girl. Now, talking about fear, I talk to a lot of dads and especially dads with daughters. I hear constantly that there is some fear. There is some fear about stepping into that role of being a father to a daughter. As you've had your daughter in your life and you reflect back on that, what was your biggest fear or what is your biggest fear in raising a daughter? I think, you know, we, we naturally have that protection instinct. And so there's just like, I want to protect her from everything. I want to protect her from the world. And, and that's not reality. We can, we can do our part, but eventually, you know, our goal is to, to, to raise up women and to raise up strong women that are independent, that can go out into the world. And, and, and so I think it's still not, I don't know if fear is the right word, but it's still on my mind and on my heart a lot of like navigating that. And how do I just pour, continue to pour into her? And to steward her vibrantness, her magical imagination, her creativity, and and then also steward her strength and steward her growing in to be a woman of the Lord and, and a woman that is confident and believes in herself. I did mention you're a father of three and you have three different kids with different personalities, different needs. All different, very different. As you look at all three of your kids and you look at yourself as a father, I know that even with two kids that I have to be engaged with my kids in different ways. I have to understand them differently to be able to spend that unique time with them to be able to build those relationships. What do you have to do to be able to not only you know, be the father you want to be, the husband you want to be, the musician you want to be. But what do you have to do to be able to build those unique relationships with each of your kids? Yeah, that's such a good point because it is so wild how vastly different my daughter and my son are, uh, my two oldest. They come from, you know, me and my wife, same DNA, same, same everything, and they are so different. And so I've had to learn, just like everybody, they have different interests, different hobbies, and different ways to connect. And so for my son, it's a lot of playing Fortnite. It's a lot of, we have the same sense of humor. So we'll watch YouTube videos or we'll kind of sit and enjoy something together. And my daughter is so different. For my daughter, it's a lot of reading stories together or sitting down and playing Legos together and just having that kind of playtime and even like bedtime routines is like way different between my kids. You know, my daughter really likes to like lay in bed and snuggle and talk and tell stories to each other. My son was kind of never that way. But I've realized, man, th this is like a small way to build like a deep connection with my daughter that is hopefully building seed, planting seeds and building a foundation that will last like the rest of our lives in our relationship. I love that because I think you're right. I mean, I think you have to go with the flow in so many ways and you have to be willing to to understand and get to know your kids, what makes them tick, but also what makes them light up and add more fuel to that fire while at the same time, as you said, stewarding them in other directions to be able to help them in many different ways. As you look at the fact... I said, you are a musician, you live a public life in that way. People 
know you, know your music, and or they at least feel like they know you and know your music. Talk to me about separating that and being able to live the public life while at the same time protecting the private life, while at the same time having your kids see that public life and understanding who you are publicly versus privately. I don't totally know if I even know how to answer that question because I, I feel at the core of what I do is is I'm I'm just like a worship leader. You know, I don't feel like this like big artist or anything like that. Like my career and my calling in life is to lead worship. And and sometimes that's a, our local church in Charlotte, but a lot of times it's me traveling out and going out, you know, across the country and across the world to lead worship other places. I think a big thing for me that's always been on the forefront is that I've been very careful for my kids not to ever feel like it's ministry and the church that takes their dad away. And that that's like the bad thing, you know, like my dad's a pastor and he was very, very good about that. Like I grew up not hating the church because it kept my dad busy. Like my dad was very, very good at connecting the family to everything that he was doing. And and I try to do the same. And so I, you know, whether it's like bringing my kids along to travel with me or whether it's just like having open constant conversations about what I'm going to do or what what I get to be a part of. And so for for us, it doesn't feel totally like there's this public persona and then there's this private persona as much as it feels like this is what your dad does. This this is his calling in life. This is he goes out and he sings about Jesus and he tells people about Jesus. And my kids in some respect get to feel like they're a part of what I do. And so it's not just me going out and doing my job. It's like our family is a part of this thing. And even with my wife's ministry and, and her running Proverbs 31, it's a one big like unit of like, this is what our, our family's calling is, are these different ministries that we get to be a part of. And I think just having conversations, allowing our kids to feel somewhat a part of that, I don't know, has been really special and cool for us. Now, raising sons, raising daughters, very different things in many different ways. And they, it takes a different touch. It takes a different um, perspective and a different way of parenting. What's been the hardest part for you in being a father to a daughter? I think going back to, to what I said earlier is that I want to, my daughter is, she's our creative. She's our magical thinker. She lives in like this, like her own world of, you know, just constantly creating stories. She's a, she's a songwriter. She's only eight, but like, that's one of the, the ways that we connect. And so I think, like I said earlier, I think it's like learning to steward that and the learning to pour into all the things that make her magical and make her special and finding ways to just like cultivate and build that into her while at the same time wanting to build strength in her. And that's one of the things like my wife is such a strong woman and she's such a, she's just tough. And I lean on her of like, how can we cultivate that in Cyrus's life and Cyrus's heart? How can we make her have that same kind of vigor that my wife, you know, that my wife has that without kind of hardening the soft parts that Cyrus has. He's such a soft, tender, special spirit. And so it's just navigating those two things. It's tough now, but I think it's going to be tough, even tougher as she gets older and like learning how to just navigate that. I think another hard thing just to be totally real is 
when you have a busy job and when you have like a demanding career, whatever it might be, traveling a lot or or just, you know, busy at home, it's those moments where your daughter says like, hey, will you do this with me? I want you, you know, can you come and sit down and play Legos with me? And you're worn out and tired. And you're like, no, I honestly, I just want to, I just need to veg out for a minute. And it's hard to say like, no, I have got to value and treasure these moments that my daughter is like, she's verbally requesting, like, I want connection with you. And it's putting down your, your, I guess your own like rest to make sure you're still like getting those connections with your kid. So important. And I have definitely had those experiences where, as you said, you come home, you're just wiped and your kid says, will you do this with me? And you just want to say, I just need to sit down. And I fail a lot. I'm, you know, I mess, I, I fail that test a lot, but it's something I've been challenging myself with a lot more too. And just being aware of it and saying like, man, when, when your kid is just asking, you know, and it's usually like a very simple thing. They're not always asking like, hey, will you take me to this or take me to go do this? It's a lot of times it's just like, hey, will you sit in my room and play with me? As they get older, that's when they say, will you take me here? Will you take me there? Right, <laughs> right. I'm not quite there yet. Yeah. I get that. I completely understand that. So I know that one of the other experiences that you and your wife have had have been in the foster arena and that you stepped in a number of years back now into the world of being a foster parent and have had a son come into your life that way. And so talk to me about that journey and what made you and your wife choose that to step on that path and to, and to bring him into your life. Yes, yeah, just a quick rundown. So we have um, our oldest son, the biological son, Harvey, he's 12. My daughter, Cyrus, is eight. And then in 2020, we decided we got our foster parents license and decided to start fostering. And we got a little boy come to live with us named Z. And he's been with us for about three and a half years now. That was something fostering was always something that was on my wife's heart. And it wasn't really on mine, but it was kind of like, I'll I'll take the classes and I'll read the books and take it one step at a time, one step at a time. And ultimately it became a big portion of my heart as well of like feeling the, the call to do that. And yeah. And so it was just a lot of like little yeses that ultimately led to like the big yes of you get the phone call and they're like, Hey, we have this little boy. He's five months old. He needs a place to stay for the immediate future. Then we'll figure out what's next. And the immediate future, a week turns into a month, turns into six months, turns into three and a half years. And and so that has been a, it's been a gift for us. It's been a a challenge, obviously. I mean, just having a three-year-old is a challenge. So that is, (laughs) that comes with the territory. But I think one of the things that is talking about parenting and, and all that aspect is there's been a lot of healthy, but also like difficult conversations with our bio kids of saying like, hey, like we're bringing in this other person that's going to take a lot of our attention and he's going to have a lot of things that we have to focus on. And that's going to take attention away from you, or that's going to take time away from you. And so even just being honest about the realities of fostering or the realities of adding another kid to your family, those have been healthy conversations. It's also just been reality of like, they're difficult. Those are difficult things for kids to go through. And it's led to a lot of like, just good connections. And I think it's interesting because for me and my wife, that's something that we say yes to. And when we decided to say yes to it, 
We wanted to bring our kids in, explain to them, here's where we're leaning. We want to make sure y'all feel comfortable with this as well. And they're kids. And so it's not like they can totally create, here's my consent and here's all the things of all, you know, all this arguments or whatever, but, but they were very excited about it. But it's something we've had to continue to have conversations about throughout the whole journey in the three and a half years that Z has been with us, continue to have conversations of where they're at, how their own heart is feeling, how their own emotions are feeling. Sometimes they're up, sometimes they're down, but I think it's the openness of the conversation has been the best thing for us. So talk to me a little bit about being a foster dad and how that differs for you than how you parent your other kids, if it is different. Because I'm sure that there's people that hear about or know people that have fostered, but they don't know how you have to parent in either the same or different way. So when Z first came to live with us, there was a lot of obstacles right from the get-go, but you're loving him like you would love any baby and, and you would love any child that's in your care. And I think to be totally transparent and vulnerable a little bit, there was a time early on where it was like, you know, part of fostering is the goal ultimately is reunification with bio parents. That's the goal. And so it is by definition, like a temporary thing. And me and my wife, we felt ourselves a little bit switch into this mentality of almost like just caring for this child instead of bringing this child in as our son for the time that he was with us. And we felt that in our hearts, even if it was like unspoken. And we had to have a conversation with each other very early on of like, hey, are you feeling this way? Like, I don't like, I don't like that I'm feeling this way. And I think that we have to switch our mentality and switch our heart. Like we can't treat this as temporary, even if it is temporary, we can't treat, we have to treat Z as our son. And we had a very open conversation about that as a couple of of saying like, we're going to make the decision, like we're going to love him like our son. We're going to treat him like our son. Our mentality, our heart is going to treat him like he is ours, whether it's for six months or what it's become now, you know, where he's been with us for a long time. And that was such a pivotal switch for us mentally in the way that we were able to like, just love on him. And he is my son. And even if it's temporary, it's something that I had to make sure I felt that in my heart and express that to him. I can only imagine, especially, I mean, he's been there longer than some placements probably would happen. And as you said, you put your whole heart into him as your son and not as just caring for someone in a temporary capacity. And you've had those conversations with your own children as he came to live with you, but they're seeing him as a part of the family too. And there may become a day where Z goes back and is reunified. And I'm sure that while there's probably some training that they try to put you through, it's not going to be easy. And have you thought about that? And how you and your wife and your family will be able to reconcile with that as well? Yeah. I mean, that's the reality with foster care. And those are heavy things for a child to walk through. And so we've definitely had a lot of conversations of like, what if this happens? What if this happens? How, how are we going to handle it? And, and there are a lot of resources for like family therapy and group therapy and then individual like child therapy to like walk through just even like the grieving process, if you have to walk through something like that. And so we've had a lot of those conversations. We haven't had to walk through that personally. 
We've had a lot of friends that have a lot of foster parent friends that have had to go through that. But yeah, we haven't had to cross that bridge, but we've definitely talked a lot about what are the steps we, we would need to take if that came to pass. Now, I mentioned at the beginning, you are an artist and as you said, a worship leader and an artist. So talk to me about that story for yourself and what drew you into wanting to be not only a worship leader, but beyond that, an artist that is having 100 million views on YouTube and having people that are really connecting to the music that you're putting out into the world. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in the church, like I said before. And so I grew up, my mom's a musician. She's a drummer and grew up around music and ministry. That was like my whole life (laughs) all growing up. And so naturally kind of led into it's just a part of my life. And one of the things that I was constantly like in front of me. And and when I look back, me and my wife, we've been married for 17 years. And even in our marriage, when we look back, we didn't have these grand, here's our five-year plan, our 10-year plan, our 15-year plan for our marriage or our, for even my career or anything like that. It was, it's a lot of the step-by-step small obediences to the Lord when they're in front of us that I feel like has led to where we're at now. And so that led to us moving to Charlotte to be in a part of Elevation Church when it was first getting started to pouring into that ministry and and writing those songs and then stepping out of Elevation Church into like kind of a solo career. It was just something that was like always stuff that was always in front of us saying yes and trying our best to be obedient with what was in front of us. And so now we look back and we see, wow, look at what the Lord has done. And look at, it's amazing and, and it's wild and, it, and it's crazy to, to see what he's done. But it was never, and we're both planners. Me and my wife are both type A. We like goals. We like to have a plan. We like to know what's ahead of us, what we're working towards. But it's pretty crazy that, to see that even with all of our own personal goals or all of our own like dreams, it all boils down to what's in front of us being good stewards of what's right, of what we have today, and being obedient to what we have today. And that's kind of what's led to where we're at now. I love that. Now, you talked about the fact that you started Elevation Church, and you worked with Elevation Church, and then you broke off into that solo career. And I'm sure there's, as you talked about with within foster care, I'm sure that you put all your heart and soul into Elevation. And then as you broke off, there's probably some grieving that happens. And not having that one church that you're there all the time and you're a part of, and now you're putting your your heart and soul into the the, the solo career and the music itself. But talk to me about the the difference there for you. And now going from being at the church and worshiping at that church to now being in the solo career, not having the same community that you're constantly being a part of, but you have a broader community now that you're a part of and sharing the gospel with? Yeah, I mean, I'm such a, I grew up playing in bands. I love being a part of a team, doing like Mac Brock, quote unquote. It's like never like in the cards for me. I was like, <laughs> that sounds awful. But when, when we felt like the Lord was calling us to step away from elevation, it wasn't to pursue a solo career. It was just, we felt like we were supposed to be obedient to that calling of stepping away, not sure what was next. But then it naturally led to 
me continuing to write songs, me wanting to like still create music. And so that's kind of what led to even where I'm at now. And yeah, it, it is different. It, it's like you said, there there is a different type of community. There's a different type of team that I'm a part of. And I still have lots of musician friends that still travel with me or it's not necessarily like a part of a specific, you know, worship ministry, church, whatever, but there's still a core group of people that are still like heavily involved in what, what I do. And, and I don't feel like I'm alone or solo in that sense, which I'm very, very grateful for. Well, I know you've got a, a new album out, uh, just like you've always done is your newest album that's out. And I guess, talk to me a little bit about the 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 writing process and what you do to bring these new not only the new songs but these this new these new albums out into the world what you have to go through personally to be able to not only come up with the inspiration but be able to put them all together then to create the new album for your fans the hardest part is is like the songwriting aspect you know there's just a lot of writing and it's a lot of reworking. And I mean, there's so many songs that come into the process of making like a full album, which I'm like still like kind of in the middle of. I'm still in navigating like what songs are going to be on, what's, you know, what songs are getting cut. So there's, it's such a long process in that respect. Even today, I was kind of like pacing around the house and, and Meredith could tell like, she's like, something's like going on with you. I was like, man, I just, had, I can't crack this one song that I'm like working on. There's something about it that, I, I got to like penetrate to fix it and I can't figure it out right now and it's bothering me. And so there's just a lot of like that digging and the, the next layer, you know, because basically there's a lot of songs that start and you write it with a group of people, you know, a couple of people or you write it by yourself. That's almost like the easy part is to like start a song and get it going. But it's the next layer digging and trying to figure out like, What's the best version of the song? Am I really communicating in the most efficient way or the best way what I want to communicate? And so it's that digging. And then when you have the song done, then it's like, how do we want it to sound? And, and you know, and how are we going to get it out? And so there's just so many different layers. Every step of the way, there's so many different ways to make a song succeed and make a song like work or make it not the best version of itself, which I've done several times. And so it's just being diligent and persevering through the process, knowing that it is just a process. And so I love the process as frustrating as it can be, as discouraging as it can be. Like any creative, you go through this cyclical thing of like, I think this is awesome. Oh, wait, this sucks. Oh, wait, no, it's not as bad as I thought it is oh, okay, it's not as great as I thought it was going to, you know, like there's just this cyclical thing. But I think being aware of that for me helps me know this is part of the process. I just got to like push through and keep working, keep digging. And I'm always grateful for when it's finally done and out and I'm able to like release it out into the world. I love that. And people have not heard the music on this album. What should they be looking forward to the most? And and what do you hope that people are going to take away from the music? So the album is still kind of in progress. I released the song just like you've always done. That's like the first single for the album. And then the album releases early next year. And there are a lot of songs that I just am like so excited for people to hear. But just like you've always done, the song that's out now is, has been such a great, I think that's a great start to the song because it's thematically, or it's a great start to the album because thematically it hits so many things that I'm very passionate about. One of the biggest things that I'm passionate about is 
remembering and declaring and helping people focus on just the faithfulness of God. Because for if you're a dad out there, you know that seasons come and seasons go and there are highs and there are lows and there are mountaintops and there are valleys. And it's so easy to get your mind or your eyes off of the Lord and to be discouraged and to feel like whatever season you're in, if you're in a down season, it's never going to end. And so just to be reminded of like the consistency and the steadiness of who Jesus is in our lives and trusting that, I find so much hope in that. And there's so many songs on the new album that kind of touch on that as well. And so I'm very excited about it. Well, we always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. You ready? Okay, let's go. In one word, what is fatherhood? Chaos. When was a time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a father to a daughter? Honestly, this past week I was talking, Cyrus came with me to a band rehearsal. And at the end of the night, we had a big prayer time. And when she was driving home, just hearing her process what we talked about in our prayer time and and how she talks to Jesus and, and what she does when she's feeling anxious. Just even having that conversation with her. I don't know if that felt like I've succeeded as a father, but it was a big win. Now, if your kids were here and I was talking to all three of them, how would they describe you as a dad? Not cool. <laughs> I'm always trying to tell my kids that I'm a cool dad. And they don't believe me. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad? I've got several friends that I look to often and see the way that they're raising their kids and um, the relationships that they have with their kids that are like teenagers now or college that very inspiring. And, and I'm constantly like asking, all right, help me in this season. <laughs> what I'm doing now, help me cultivate these relationships that you have with your kids now. You've given a lot of pieces of advice, a lot of things for people to think about today. As we finish up, what's one piece of advice you'd want to give to every dad? Be as present as possible and be, even for me, I travel so much with my work, but I've, I've worked it out in a way that, that when I'm home, I can just be present and I'm home a lot. And so just be present and make yourself like seen and known and make sure that your kids know that you're seeing them and knowing them. It's just so easy, even when you're home, to be on your phone or to be locked in on Netflix or whatever it might be. And I do, I, I'm guilty of all those things too, but I'm challenged myself and I'm challenged to make sure that my kids know that I see them and my kids know that I'm there present with them. Well, Mac, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for sharing your own journey today and for sharing the things that you've learned as you've gone through fatherhood. If people want to find out more about you, about your music, or about Meredith's organization, whatever it may be, where should they go to find out more? I mean, you can go to macbrock.com, but there's also just macbrock on Instagram or Marebrock on Instagram. That's where you'll find us. We're there a lot. Well, Mac, thank you so much for sharing your story today, and I wish you all the best. Thank you. This is great. Appreciate it. If you've enjoyed today's episode of the Dads with Daughters podcast, we invite you to check out the Fatherhood Insider. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual, and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step -step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of fathering together. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week. 
all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be